Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Welcome to today's podcast episode. Thank you for joining me. This is episode 257, Time is Flying By. If you're a new listener, this is the podcast where we talk about building a better kind of online business. If you're a longtime listener, you know what this is about. And if you're a one or two person type of business, meaning you don't have a payroll and you're outsourcing when necessary, but only when necessary, I think you'll find this podcast even more helpful and beneficial to you. As for me, my own business today has matured into something that honestly I wish I had when I first started. That's not the way it usually works out though. It's usually a learning process, but that's what motivates me to make this podcast today. If you've ever heard the phrase, you get what you've asked for, but not what you've wanted, I think that accurately describes what a lot of us go through. It's definitely what I went through, what I experienced during the formative years of what you might call my entrepreneurial journey. I got what I asked for, but what I asked for wasn't something that made me happy. And today especially, I see there's a lot of unhappiness, a lot of discontent in the entrepreneurial world, in the business world, among small business owners. I imagine even right up to scale, regardless of how much money that business is making, Happiness and contentment isn't always directly related to the amount of money someone's making. Sometimes people are making quite a bit of money, but they're miserable with what they're building, with what they're maintaining. And of course, then you have the people that are not making enough money. And there's an element, of course, of unhappiness there. But I've noticed today one of the things that has changed, at least noticeably, is people are getting out of businesses they started maybe five or 10 years ago, businesses that I was aware of that appeared by uh, all outward circumstances, what I could see to be very successful. But as it turns out, these individuals, some of them have even blogged about it, were very unhappy working in those kinds of business or businesses or in that specific kind of business with what they were doing. And when I say these people are selling off their businesses, we're not talking about multi-million dollar types of sales where the seller or the entrepreneur is set for life. No, we're talking about, well, maybe these people are set for a year or two, but we're talking about people who just got to the point where they were no longer willing to deal with the pressure, the unhappiness, the level of discontent that came with managing whatever it was that they built. People who were burning out or who had already burned out And in short, people who, yes, they got what they asked for. They were able to build their quote-unquote dream. But as it turned out, there was a lot more that went with it that they didn't realize on the front end. So, yeah, they kind of got what they asked for, but not what they wanted. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there yourself? Have you ever looked around at what you're building, at your business, and have thought, this really isn't what I want? And I'm sure plenty of you have. I know I have. I remember a client of mine who originally worked on a large cruise ship as a chef, the head chef, actually, in charge of this big kitchen, lots of moving pieces. Yes, you know where I'm going with this, excuse me, whenever I use the word or the phrase, not lots of moving pieces, I'm not talking about it in a 
positive way. But that's what he had. And now, personally, I'm not a huge fan of cooking. It seems like a lot goes into it. I'm a big fan of eating, but not really the preparation. I know some people love it. I guess if you're a chef, you have to love it, at least in the beginning. And he went on, as I said, to be the uh, head chef on this big cruise ship. And he had all of these people that were trained and working with him. But eventually, he also began to burn out and was looking for change. Have you ever watched those cooking shows on TV? I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Uh, Gordon Ramsay. He has shows, several of them that I'm aware of. Uh, Hell's Kitchen, I think, was one, or Master Chef, or The Next Great Chef, or several shows. And I watch them from time to time when I'm visiting family because they like to watch those kinds of shows. And every once in a while, I'll go over there and, and that will be on. And the chefs in training go through all of this pressure, preparing the foods and keeping the timing just right, getting things in and out of the oven, coordinating things. And it just looks, in one way, totally chaotic. And another way, if you have the right amount of energy and the right amount of synchronicity working with the people that you're working with, everything's in sync. It really is something to watch. It's like a symphony, but it's with food instead of uh, instruments. But they go through all of this. And on these shows, of course, people get... Um, acts. They get the acts. They get voted off the show. And at the end of the show, I guess one person makes it to work in one of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants. One per one person makes it to the big time. So, but yeah, in the real world, chefs in training, they go through all kinds of pressure and even experienced chefs, maybe I should say especially experienced chefs. It's not really what you would call a low pressure type of occupation. But anyway, my friend on the cruise ship he wasn't happy with this. He was telling me after several years and after watching these shows on TV, I can absolutely understand why. I just can't imagine doing that myself. And so he decided that what he wanted to do was open a small, fine dining restaurant instead, get off the ship of living from port to port, become more established, have a family. And that way he could take the skills that he had learned in one environment that was basically unhealthy at a certain point for him and bring them over into another one that was a better fit for his own sanity. Now, I can relate to, to this because in my own case, I was in my early 20s at the time and I was unhappy with I, what I was doing working in the agency world of the time. And it was my general career choice, I guess you would say. And at the time, I was so unhappy with it that I had wished that I could just go back to college again and do something completely different. Now, what I didn't understand at the time was because I was so emotionally involved in the negativity of being at that kind of job was that the problem wasn't so much with what I was doing, but it was more the particular atmosphere that I was doing it in. It just wasn't a right fit for me. Matter of fact, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know how some people can live in a crowded busy city and they can thrive there with all the hustle and bustle going on where other people prefer maybe something more moderate where other people prefer to be out in the wilderness where it takes uh, well maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration but they prefer to be where there are fewer people some people thrive in the country some people thrive in the city 
Other people thrive maybe in the suburbs. But if you take a city person, someone born and raised, well acclimated with a big city, and you take them out of that environment and you, let's say, transplant them to a small town, you'll find that many of those people won't thrive there. And so it's not so much what's right or what's wrong, what's more or less healthy. Of course, I'm sure we all have our personal opinions on that, but it's how you as an individual are wired and where it is that you're going to thrive. And so in my early 20s, I learned firsthand where I was less likely to thrive. I'll put it that way, just as my friend did on the cruise ship. But I more or less pointed my finger at what I was doing because I just didn't have the experience to kind of think beyond that because I was so emotionally invested in the situation. I didn't realize that it was just where I was doing the work and in the environment that I was in. It wasn't even so much that that there was nothing wrong with the people per se that I was working with. It was just everything was so fast paced and I wasn't properly trained to fit into that system that they were using. And so everything was doubly stressful for me. But I was working at a large, it was a large agency, it wasn't the right fit for me. And at the time, I didn't realize that there were other, what we today might call business models that would enable me to use those same skills, but in a much different setting. And so the experience would be completely different. That right there is the key. It was the key for me. And I believe that for a lot of you listening today, it's also the key for you. If you're not happy doing the work that you're doing today, you have to ask yourself, is it really the work or is it the atmosphere you're doing the work in or is it the people that you're doing the work for? Because there is a reason why you took whatever your talent happens to be and expanded it into a business, an entrepreneurial type of pursuit. So there was some level of fulfillment you initially had in refining that skill in starting the business. There was some level of fulfillment there that's no longer there. And so the big question is, why? And sometimes it takes a little bit of digging to understand, but that's why I was just telling you a little bit about my own experience. I blamed it on wrong career choice. I kind of looked at the skill set and wish I could trade it in for a different one, but it wasn't that at all. It was, and it took me probably a good two, three years to recognize that. So yes, I've been through these experiences myself. And while I can't speak for my chef friend situation 100%, the similarities that I see between his experience and mine is that both of us were working with larger groups of people initially, very, very fast paced, but we experience greater satisfaction and overall happiness and contentment working with smaller groups or smaller numbers of people as time went on. Now let's go ahead and bring this over to what you're doing. If it's just you or maybe you and a partner, let me just add this here. Most partners bring a different skill set to the table. In other words, one has a weakness that the other doesn't and vice versa. And so that's what makes a partnership uh, such an attractive proposition in some cases. And most small businesses, though, whether we're talking about individuals or partnerships, most small businesses do face similar challenges. So uh, how do you grow if you're basically, let's say, bootstrapping your way forward? You're 
investing a small amount of money maybe that you have in getting things up and running. You probably don't have enough money to sustain some type of consistent advertising or maybe advertising is not your thing. Maybe it's content creation or something like that. But you're, the, the point is, is that you're doing most of this activity yourself. So how do you grow? How do you reach more people? And how do you find the time to do all of the things that you need to do when those things ultimately are going to be done by you? because it's not in your budget to have someone else do them. These are the, the challenges that most small businesses, it doesn't even matter what market, what type of market it's in, but it's all relative that people face. And that said, many people who do have a budget to work with, as far as advertising goes, say that they're not getting the return that they anticipated from paid advertising. Just another topic altogether, but I thought I'd throw that in there. Now, over the past few weeks on this podcast, I've talked about things like systems and solopreneurship and automation and expanding your online influence. But today, I want to kind of push back from that and talk about dealing with the element of unhappiness and discontent that many, I believe, are either knowingly or unknowingly overlooking. You know, if you go at a fast enough pace, then you're just going from one experience to another. You don't realize why you're thinking what you're thinking because you're not slowing down enough to really take a longer, harder look at it. And I believe that's why it's important to deal with some of these problem areas now, especially if they haven't gotten to the point yet where you're completely miserable when these things get out of control and they end up ruining what could otherwise be a successful journey in the world of online business. So... Let's talk about the first issue that comes to my mind, which is you're giving more than you're getting. If you're giving more than you're getting, if we look at this from strictly a financial viewpoint, we may come to the conclusion that you're not charging what you're worth. You're not charging enough for your products and services. If we look at the you're giving more than you're getting type of situation from a time investment viewpoint, then we might be looking at things like you're continuously learning or you're sharpening your skills, but overall your business isn't growing. Maybe you have both things happening. That's quite possible. So I'm sure that you've been through this on one level or another. I know I have for myself. I remember at one point getting to the the place where I realized that I wasn't charging enough per client and I couldn't add enough clients to reach the number that I needed to reach, charging them what I was currently charging them in order to make the business viable. Now, there's a lot of ways around this. Matter of fact, more ways today than there were when I first got started in this business, because back then the only way to do it was to keep on generating more business and adding more clients or more outsourcers to be able to handle that additional income, that additional um, client load. And then from there, you're taking a percentage, of course, on each little job that's being done. That's traditionally how the type of business that I had would grow in the past. Today, thankfully, it's much different. Now, if you're a smaller business, it's really easy, especially in the early years, to take whatever business comes your way so that you can just pay the bills. But if you're honest with yourself, sooner or later you get to the point where you recognize whether or not you're making enough money and whether or not that business is sustainable over the long term. And I recognize that people are 
to put it bluntly, sometimes afraid that raising their prices may cause too many of their current clients or customers to jump ship because there are other there are other options in the marketplace. But let's consider what some of the options may be if you are in a place like this. If you're not making enough, you're unhappy, you can't see really a way to move forward. It's always possible to raise the prices on all new clients coming in from this point forward. And if your new higher pricing strategy works, then you can go back and make smaller incremental increases on some of your existing clients probably without rocking the boat too much. I know I did that for myself several times over the years where I would raise my prices on the new people coming on board or the new people, the new prospects, I should say, that I was trying to bring on board. And when I saw that they were responding positively to that price increase, of course, then, and and sometimes, again, it's very easy to make decisions based on, more based on fear than based on belief. Because until you've been there yourself, it's like what somebody once said, I never ever thought that somebody would buy a thousand dollar course for me until I finally put one on the market. Well, a lot of people never get to the place where they believe that, so they never sell a course for a thousand or two thousand or five or ten thousand or whatever it happens to be. Because we do, we charge what we believe we can receive based on a lot of factors, based on our skill level, based on where we're located, the types of clients that we have. There is an initial belief that we just have to take a step of faith. We put that product or service out there and then we see how people respond. And then again, there is a belief that is there that once triggered enables us to either with more or less confidence, maybe raise that price a little bit. But I found that if you're just honest with people and let them know, especially today, especially now that your costs have gone up and that you'll be increasing your prices. Again, I guess it depends on what the percentage increase is what the dollar amount is. But for example, I know people who sold a product for $100 and they decided that it wasn't worth selling that product for $100, that they needed $200. And they did much much better with their sales overall, even though that's doubling the price of the product. And this had two benefits. Number one, enable them to spend a little more on advertising. You don't see anybody advertising for $7 ebooks anymore unless, of course, that's just the initial product and there's several upsells behind it. But like I said, be honest with people and let them know that your costs have gone up, especially now. If people can't understand now that prices are going up, I don't think they ever will. But when it comes to pricing also, think about yourself and your family and what they need from your business. Forget about what others are doing just for a minute. Maybe your family has greater needs than the average family. Maybe it's a temporary situation. Maybe it's long term, but try and figure that into the equation. I know that recently I raised my prices for certain services that I offer, and I did so because certain needs arose with some of the elderly members of my own family, and I wanted to be able to help them. And so that's what I did. I raised my prices, and so far, on certain products and services, that is, and so far, no one's blinked. And I'm selling more than ever before, and I'm able to make a difference in the lives of the people that I care about. And so I factored all of this into the decision-making process with the business. Now, if I just kept things as they are, or as they were, I should say, and then not being able to offer any financial assistance to the people in my family that need it, 
Well, then that puts me in a totally different type of situation. Then that discontent grows. Attitude begins to follow that level of discontent. And I know, yeah, there's a lot of people out there, maybe more than not today, that are just unhappy. They are not satisfied with what they're doing and how they're doing it. But if you're going to make a change, sooner or later you have to realize that I need to make a change and not maybe not all the chips will fall exactly where I want them to go. But I know if I stay here, this road leads to a dead end. Now, some of you don't believe or have faith maybe that you bring enough value to the table. I remember years ago when I first asked this question of myself, how can I bring more of a transformation into the lives of my own clients? And it wasn't a question I was able to answer right away, but it did get me heading in the right direction. Now, a lot of the things that I did in my own business, like a lot of business people do in the service sector, especially online, digital businesses, you provide some kind of a service, you get paid for that service, and as time has gone on, you figure out how to use whatever type of tools and technology that's available to do that service faster, more proficiently, maybe you charge a little bit more for it. But yeah, I got to the point where I thought, well, what I'm doing is it really matter in the way that I want it to matter? And that the answer to that question was no. And so I decided I had to change that. And that's when consulting really became a greater part of my own business. Now, some people hear the word consulting and they think that, well, I'm not really in a place where I can be a consultant because I don't know enough. I, I know people that know a lot more than me and they kind of measure themselves against other people. But really what consulting is in the nutshell is something that each of us do throughout our lives, whether we're, we do it formally or not, and that is to teach what we know. Consulting is really teaching someone what you know. And whatever your area of expertise is, if you've been in a field for a while, you know more than you probably realize that you know. And so I found that there was another group of people maybe that weren't able to pay me to provide the service to them directly, but they would pay me to teach them what I knew about how to perform that service. And so they learned how to do it themselves. This is another group of people, which I talked about an episode or so ago. They are the do-it-yourselfers. There are people that will pay you to do what they can't or don't want to do. But then there's also a whole other market of people out there who will pay you to teach them how to do it themselves. And th these are the groups of do-it-yourselfers. I know that some of my friends, they watch videos on everything from car repair to home improvements and all different kinds of things because they are do-it-yourselfers and they're all, always adding to that base of information to that area of interest they have. They're getting better and more proficient at a lot of different things. Some of these things they do just as hobbies. Some of them, they end up turning them into professions down the road. And so... If you're looking at what you have and the value that you bring to the table, if you don't have the belief that you're bringing real value into the lives of those that you're connecting with in your marketplace, then I encourage you to go ahead and do something about that. Change that. I know for myself, the simplest way I've done this in the past is I've either read a book or I've taken a course on something new. So in the early days, I did this with marketing. I read one book after another, and these were quite expensive books back in the 90s that you would find in a Books A Million or a Barnes 
and Noble. These books were like the size of small phone books and they would go into depth on how to do, you know, how to write sales copy and how to create marketing campaigns and how to measure the success of these campaigns. And I can't tell you, I spent a small fortune on these books. And then what I would do in the early days, because I didn't have confidence yet, my confidence hadn't grown to the point where I could sell the service professionally. But then one day someone said to me, who happened to be a consultant, I would like to pay you for you know, a few hours of your time to consult with me about my business. And I thought, well, this is great. So obviously the information that I was sharing had positioned me as a person of having greater value than I was before I started sharing the information. And so that's how I did it. I gave a lot of stuff away for free in the beginning uh, with my clients. And uh, today that's part of what people pay for in my own business. So I have services plus consulting uh, plus teaching. And what I've learned is, is that, again, there's different types of people and the same type of person who, you know, will happily pay to have the service provided for them and pay more. There's a whole other group of people there that are quite willing to pay you how to, to teach them how to do it themselves because it's something they enjoy. It's something they already have somewhat of an aptitude towards which is probably what got you in the business that you're in now, right? You had some kind of aptitude that was already there for it. <clears throat> in other words, it wasn't an uphill journey all the way. You had an interest. And so maybe even if you burn the candles, uh, burn the candle at both ends, well, is that how the saying goes? Yeah, burning the candle on both ends. Maybe if you did some of that, it really didn't feel like work to you because you were already interested in the topic. I remember times where, my eyes were burning and I was yawning and I was trying to power my way through a few more pages of a book because I was so interested in the topic and wanted to keep on going. But physically, I just wasn't able to. I was just physically exhausted and ended up going to sleep. Now, if you've ever been in a place like that, then you are interested in that topic. And so that's where you can really excel. But here's the thing that I also want you to think about when we talk about providing transformation, providing change. You are just one side of a double-sided coin. So, or a two-sided coin, I should say. Just think about this for a minute. Suppose that you manage the social media for your clients, pages, profiles, whatever. In a way, isn't it true that you're only as good as your client allows you to be at times or most of the time? Because even if you're world-class at what you do, you can only do your part. The other person that hires you or the persons that hire you still have to do theirs. So it's kind of like if you were a master voice coach, could you turn all of your students into world-class vocalists? Of course not. Because the student has to have the raw talent for you to work with. And it's really the same with your clients. So let's say you're really good at what you do with your business. Maybe you're even not, maybe not great. All right, let's not even push it that far. Let's just say that you're most definitely competent at what you're doing. Having a client that's a star will make you look even better than you are. It'll make you look like one of the greats, especially if you have several of them. Are you following where I'm going with this? Likewise, having a client who doesn't do but the bare minimum to keep their business afloat they will make you, even if you're great at what you do, look average at best because you can't carry people. It's kind of like leading the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So even the 
greatest coaches of all time, it doesn't even matter what the sport is, they can only take a talented but lazy, undisciplined athlete so far. There were plenty of examples of talented athletes who never became all they could be because they were lazy or undisciplined or got into you know, the nightclub scene or whatever it is, you know, that where athletes go, where things go sideways, where things go south. So bringing this back to where you are today, if you're working with the wrong type of clients, you're not going to be happy. And they're not going to help your business grow. And you're not going to enjoy the business. And you're not going to find the growth process enjoyable because it's just going to lead, even if you push it, to more of the kind of jobs that you already have. Or it's just going to lead to more of the types of clients that you're already working with, that you're already unhappy working with. So I think that the rewarding experience has to take both boxes. In other words, you give, but you also receive. You're working with people that that individual you're working with or the company you're working with They're all the better for having you on board. And you, in turn, are all the better for having them as a client. Those are the types of people that you want to work with. So when we think about things like happiness and unhappiness as it relates to your journey as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, we have to look closely at things as your work setting. Are you in the right environment? Are you in a place conducive to your own internal wiring that can make you happy. I know personally, I prefer a smaller, quieter space with fewer people. Maybe you prefer the same or maybe the opposite. But realizing or recognizing what works for you is a great place to start. And if you recognize that you're in the wrong place, what steps are you going to take to change it? What are you going to try next? What needs to be different? I realize that it's important to be grateful and thankful for whatever you have And if you have a roof over your head and your business is keeping you from drowning in debt, but you're kind of stagnant, definitely be thankful for whatever you have, but also recognize that you'll never be happy remaining stagnant or standing still. In fact, nothing really stands still. It either moves forward or it goes backwards. It never stands still for long. And you're definitely not going to find happiness in your journey by going backwards. So where do you finally turn the corner? How do you start moving in a different direction? Well, I guess we could have an episode just on that topic alone, but in general, let me just speak in generalities for a moment. What I found personally and what many of my one-on-one clients have learned is that changing your messaging is the beginning of change in general. So in other words, if we realize that we're heading in the wrong direction, we're attracting the wrong type of prospects, the wrong type of clients, or really not attracting anyone at all then what has to change first is you and I. We have to change in how we're presenting ourselves and what our message is to our marketplace and how we're going to present that. When we change, then it seems like the world around us begins to change. And a lot of these changes are very subtle. They don't seem that dramatic. For example, changing your your messaging or the words that you're using to describe how you can help someone get from point A to point B. That can be very simple. It's just a matter of gaining clarity and focus on what type of solution you're going to deliver to your marketplace and the words that you're going to use to describe that. 
that's a challenge that you can overcome in as little as an hour sometimes, and it can make a tremendous difference. And think about this. You want to offer your future clients, I look at it this way, a before and after type of experience because when you present it in that way, at least this is what I've learned for myself and what a lot of other people have learned, then you remove a lot of the question marks from the process because you're stating exactly what it is the person's going to get, what they're going to experience as a result of having worked with you. In other words, this is what people have today without you, and now this is what they'll have tomorrow after working with you. Maybe there's negative experiences that people have when dealing with other businesses that do what you do or that offer what you offer. Then go ahead and call that out and explain why it will be different when they work with you. This is all part of what I call your messaging. And for years, people have been putting general messaging out there. This is what we do. We do A, B, and C, just like our clients do, but we do it better. And here's our testimonials versus their testimonials. And that type of marketing just seems to fall flat more often than not. Matter of fact, businesses that market that way, more often than not, if they're really honest about it, they'll tell you that the reason why they've experienced their business growth isn't because of what we might call online marketing or digital marketing. It's because of the fact that they're getting referrals. And there's nothing wrong with growing a business by referrals, but why stop there? Why limit yourself to just referrals when what I'm talking about here has not just a transformative effect on the people that you're working with, working for, but on your own business as well? And so deciding on a before and after experience that you're going to promote as being this is what your business is all about, and by narrowing down the type of person you want to provide that experience to, yeah, you're cutting a lot of people out. And some people call this niching down. I guess this is another way to look at it. But when you speak to, when you're writing content, when you're creating a message that speaks to one type of person, when you're actually in the process of creating that type of content, at least in the beginning I was, I was very conscious about the people that I was not addressing and I was worried that by excluding people from this kind of message that it was going to hurt my business when in fact just the, the opposite of that was true. I have a short mini webinar presentation that I think you'll find very helpful that lays out the process I'm talking about here on the front page of my main website at jimgalliano.com. Again, I think you'll find it really helpful if you want some more information or you want some clarification about this a little bit further. Now, everything we're talking about today, for the most part, is fixable. You just have to identify or recognize the true source of your discontent. It can't be vague. It can't be general. The true source of what it is that's making you unhappy as it relates to the work that you're doing. Things like location and who you're doing the work for and sometimes even something specific within it, the work itself, those are all things that you can identify. Now, on the other hand, no matter what you're doing, you're going to find that certain projects will stretch you a bit more than others, and that's a good thing. That means that you're learning new things, you're growing, perhaps venturing into new territory. But if it's just you, the possibility does exist that you can get into areas where you'll find yourself in over your head. This specifically applies to solopreneurs. Now, in the early days of my digital agency business, I did twice as many things as I do today. I was all over the place at times, trying to make money in whatever ways possible. And as long 
as the checks didn't bounce, I take whatever work came my way. As a result, here's a great example of this. I found myself struggling to set up a spreadsheet equation using Excel for a major company. Now, if someone said to me, can you do this? I'd say yes, and then figure out how I was going to deliver on that yes later on. And that made for a lot of anxious times, a lot of sleepless nights. And after going through this several times, I finally learned how to say no. There are certain types of jobs that to this day, I don't enjoy doing, so I pass on those jobs because in the big picture, they create more grief for me than almost anything else. You know, there's plenty of designers out there who build websites, but there are no code designers from start to finish. Certain types of website builds are just a bad fit for them. Now, I'm just using website development design as an example, but we could apply this to anything copywriters for example they their specific skill set lays within a certain industry and when they try to write copy for other industries it just falls flat and so no matter what industry you're talking about no matter what skill that we're talking about you'll find that the individual excels in certain areas a lot more than they do others maybe that's the nice way of putting it so yes getting back to a no code designer the person can be a great designer but they're just not, they don't have that technical side developed and certain types of websites are just going to be a bad fit for them to build while others are going to be perfect. And the reverse of this is also true. There are skilled developers out there building websites, but their sense of design, I guess aesthetics would be the word for it. It just isn't at the level that it needs to be for certain types of projects. So in other words, again, certain types of projects are a bad fit for them. So no matter what you're doing, if you take on the wrong kinds of projects for yourself, you're going to find yourself very unhappy with the work in general. And we were just talking about changing your messaging. So if you're going to be changing your messaging, make sure that the new messaging, make sure you plan it out to do a better job at attracting the right kinds of jobs, the kinds that you would prefer to be doing instead of the ones that end up keeping you up all night. Now, also every now and then, it may be good for you to do a bit of continued or continuing education to keep up to date on some of the more important changes that are happening in your industry. Now, somebody asked me years ago, what's the most important part of education in your opinion? I might have said things like marketing. That's probably what I would have said. If you understand marketing, then you could be barely competent in many other areas and still succeed. If you ask me a few years later, I would say branding was maybe more important than marketing at that point in time. And even later, I would have said, well, everything basically comes back to your ability to sell. And still later on, somebody asked me a few years ago, what's the most important thing you think to growing a business? I would say it's the understanding on business itself. Because people have a lot of skills, a lot of talents, but they just do not have a sense of business, how a successful business needs to be structured in order to support all of those other things like sales and marketing and design and development and all of that. Today, if you ask me, I think the most what is the most important thing that you need to succeed in business? My answer is simply whatever you happen to be missing. 
if if you're lacking in the area of sales or marketing, then that's something that you need to maybe brush your skill set up on or find a way to plug that gap that exists within your business and right on down the line with all of the other topics that you care to talk about. So in closing, let me just say there were a few times in my life where I felt like my life was like a puzzle, one of those with a lot of pieces, but I was missing the box. All the pieces were spilled out on the table, but because the box was missing, I didn't have any idea what the completed or finished project would look like. And so I found myself putting some pieces together and sometimes due to my own impatience, I'd force a few pieces together that really didn't fit while pretending they did for now. And more than once, I found myself questioning the path that I was on and exactly what it was that I was building. Now, hindsight being 2020, I think it's normal. All of the loose pieces have come together over time. Yeah, it took a while. I know some people have gotten there a lot faster than I did, but I think when all is said and done, all that matters is, did you get there or not? Did you get where you wanted to be? And yeah, I can look at my life now. I can look at my business and say there are still things that I want to accomplish. I think there's a lot left that's undone, thankfully, right? So that's what you look forward to. That's what you strive towards. But I think the questioning of the path is normal, whether it's about your life, whether it's about business or anything else, because all of these pieces eventually are interrelated anyway, aren't they? I mean, it's one life made up of a lot of little pieces. But uh, at certain points, the only way I was able to rediscover the joy, I guess you might say, that used to come with doing things like, for me, it was writing and designing or building something, was to focus on doing those things strictly for myself instead of for others for a season and time. And that's how I rediscovered and learned to appreciate and be thankful for what I had for my particular gift mix. So things like unhappiness and discontentedness as they relate to the work that we do or the business that we're building are topics that we unfortunately seldom dig into with any type of depth or real thought because everything is so fast paced. Sometimes people don't slow down enough to really think about these things. The work that we do consumes more than just a little bit of our time if we're honest about it which is why I think it's important that we find, at the very least, a measure of happiness and contentment with it. Or maybe in some cases, we have to rediscover it or what it's going to take to secure it and keep it over the long term. Today, I've been doing this work for over two decades. And while it has changed during that time, I can honestly say, Lord willing, I can see myself doing it for another two decades to come. And that makes me happy. So find that place of happiness in the work that you do so that you'll be able to do the same. All right, I think that's about all for today. Let's go ahead and put the bookmarker in it right about there. I think that I've said all I can say today about this topic. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you feel it will help a friend, please, by all means, go ahead and share the episode link with them or send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. All the episodes are there. As always, it's your sharing of this podcast that makes it possible for me to reach people who otherwise I probably wouldn't reach because I don't invest in things like ads. And basically, my approach to this podcast has always been, probably will always be, that of an organic marketing type of approach. So that's all for now. Thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you later. Later.